Can I tell you something about this movie? Tell me everything. I did not want to watch this movie. At all? I knew about this film for what felt like the, the entirety of my life, and I did not want to watch this movie. Really? So when you picked it, and <laughs> I'm just going to say, I knew nothing about it. Like I knew, I knew about the movie, but I knew nothing about what the movie was about. Same. I just knew that it was like this kind of movie. That's all I knew about it. I didn't even know that. I don't know if it would have changed anything. <laughs> like, I'm really happy. I, like, this podcast forces me to watch movies that I typically wouldn't see. And I, I truly mm -hmm. mean that because I don't know if I would have seen it. But I'm so happy that I did. <laughs> um, I, I, I think I may have juiced up my enthusiasm, but I'm happy I saw it. <laughs> Anyways, listen, welcome to Required Watching, where we watch essential films from the list of cinematic influencers and look at them through the lens of learning about filmmaking and how to move forward. I am, I'm Trey Epps. I'm Danny Taverner. And today we are talking about Paris, Texas. Yeah, every um, time I try to Google this movie, it just comes up with the town of Paris, Texas. Every time I Google this movie, it comes up with Emily in Paris, which really annoys me. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is about a man named Travis Henderson, an aimless drifter who has been missing for four years, wanders out of the desert and must reconnect with uh, with society, himself, and his life and family. I said that wrong, but whatever. It was directed by Wim Wenders. I, I, I say it like that because he's German. Otherwise, it's Wim Wenders. Wim I don't know how to pronounce it. Wim Wenders. <laughs> of course, this is starring Harry Dean Stanton, Dean Stockwell, and the top... The, Natasha Kinski. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't know who the heavy hitters in the, in the cast are, but of course, Harry Dean Stockton is the star of this film. And Hunter Carson, who's the son. So there we go. By the way, Hunter Carson is the son of L.M. Kit Carson, who is the writer. So yeah, there we go. Little known facts already. Yeah, uh, that's right. It's Hollywood, baby. Listen, we're in, we're in it. We're in it. Uh, Paris, Texas, again, we kind of get this. What I can, I'm not going to go through the plot, actually, but let's go through it really quick. Like, I'm, I don't want to, like, spend the entire time talking about the plot because mm -hmm. I don't think it's that important. But just like what I just read was, this drifter, Travis Henderson, opens up with him coming out of the desert into a like a bar and passing out. Not missing. Yeah, you're not really given much. You're just he he wakes up, he comes to he's clearly like sunstroke and is yeah borderline delusional. And I, I, the yeah. first thing you know about him is that he's been gone for four years and his brother who lives in LA is like, oh shit, I gotta go uh, get my brother. Gotta go get that guy. And he does. And the, like, there's a doctor who checks him out, a German doctor who checks him out in Texas, who's like, yo, I think your brother's immune. He didn't swallow his tongue, but I think he's immune. And we see, like, when his brother comes, his brother's name is Walt. When Walt comes to kind of rescue and, and get Travis, we see Travis, like, take off. Just, like, not responsive verbally whatsoever and he continues to not be for like half the movie i would say 
about 40 minutes, 50 minutes of the movie. Of not that's that's a lie. It can't be that long. It can't be that long. It's pretty long. I mean, it's like after they've reconnected and started driving back to LA that he first It's 26 minutes. First starts speaking again. Yeah, so our main character we hear not a word from for 26 minutes. I genuinely uh, thought cuz I didn't know too much about this movie either. I genuinely thought, "Oh, maybe this is a movie people talk about cuz the main character doesn't speak at all." Yeah. I I thought, "Oh, he's just not going to say anything for the whole movie." It really it actually really bugged me. I was like your brother's here. Say something to him. You've been missing for so long. Like, say something to him. Uh, it's also, it was he just, an interesting he way to give us background on him, though. Because everyone was talking at him yeah. and explaining the situation, not in a in a expository like, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it felt natural. Like, him being in the car. Hey, you've been gone for four years. Hey, we have to talk about your son. Hey, are you going to tell me? Like, the the little details that he gives slowly start right. to paint this picture of who Travis is, but it did it didn't seem like heavy handed at all. And can I just I, I think if you do that now uh, in a in a weird way I think if this if, if this movie was made shot for shot word for word I think this would seem like it was heavy handed. But mm. there's something about the fact that it was kind of dated where I'm like oh there's like this doesn't seem out of the normal at all. And the fact that it's kind of like an art house movie, it's like kind of weird. I think that definitely helps. I I think it definitely helps. I I think what I love about this movie, and I'm going to jump all over the place for just a second, but because we touched on it, what I love about this movie is just the introduction of characters. Mm. I felt very confused by Travis the entire, like like the first half hour, because I was like, what's wrong with you? Why am I speaking? What's your story? Like I was in a rush to figure out what was going on. And then once... Once that initial bit subsided, and it subsided at me five minutes before he started talking, I was like, oh, okay, like, he does speak. Like, I can now learn more that isn't like, – I, I was just – I just had so many questions about where he had been. Like, <laughs> but it actually never gets answered, I don't think. I don't think it, it's ever answered where he had been for the last yeah, four years. Yeah, or how he survived in the Texas desert for four years. <laughs> and it, 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 honestly, it honestly bugs me, and, and I think when we get to – is Jane his wife or is Jane other guy's wife? But when we learn about his, when we learn about Travis's wife and when we're looking at home videos, another like tropey thing of like, like this could, like, I think, I think lazier writers could have put this in dialogue of like, you still love your wife, don't you? And it, and it been like really heavy handed, but we're watching, we're watching him watch home movies and seeing this, Seeing this yeah. connection, for lack of a better term, like just still live there, and it's like, and honestly, it's just pain. It's pain that he feels more than like love. I think. I, I, I where, think when I, sorry. Yeah. Go on. This is this is where his muteness really benefits the situation because oh, you're only going off of his facial expressions and like these like very small. Because by this point, you're already like tuned to pick up on those small. Yeah, facial features and the small little yeah. intricacies. So when he's watching the home movies back at his brother's house, you're really like paying attention to Travis more than you would other characters in a, in a heavier speaking role. And, and it's and it's actually it's 
honestly, I think it's great. And I think talking about introduction, like this is the introduction that we get to his wife, who we'll see later on in the film. His son. Like the, his his son. I think what was he seven in the in the film, right? Yeah, his son and, and his brother and sister in law now have adopted essentially. Yeah, like non legally adopted and treat as their own. The kid calls them both mom and dad. It's, but he's, and I I like this. I think from improv days when you're like when they're like like be the smartest kid you can be. If you're gonna play a kid, be a smart kid. If you're gonna play mm-hmm. a doctor, be the most knowledgeable doctor. Right. Um, so I, I think I appreciate the fact that this kid was seven, but he was like the smartest kid ever. Like he knew what was what. And it, it was in a way that felt natural. It didn't feel as if he was being an adult and he had to grow up too fast. It felt like he like read all the time and just knew kind of, he, he, had, he had the curiosity of a seven-year-old, but also like the knowledge of, you know, an adult you know what i mean well, he, he he understands the situation it's not like he doesn't know that right. travis is his dad because he's been gone four years so the kid was three ish when he left right so he still he remembers him like it wasn't it was half his life but he still has home movies and he has recollection of travis as his dad but he also knows walt as his dad as well so he's not he may not fully understand the situation, but he's like, oh, yeah, that's my dad. You're also my dad. Yeah. I, I think I think that – go on. No, he's just like, I understand the new dynamic, but I don't understand it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I think when Travis picks him up at school, I think for the second or third time, and, you know, he's, he's next to his friend, and the friend's like, who's that guy? <laughs> he's like, that's my dad. I love it. I, I love – I love that this guy – and like my own, my only, the only thing that I can do is think about what Travis's backstory was for the last four years. And I do mm-hmm. think he's one of those guys that we probably would have called like a hippie nowadays, right? Where yeah. He just, yeah. He just like found his way through life and like, he, he was essentially living off the grid is the, the way I see it in my mind and probably really peculiar ways that we probably wouldn't approve of as a society. But he, you know, he made it work. I mean, but also the fact that he, he, he's introduced as mute give some insight to he probably didn't interact with people like i don't know where he right. was in the, t- the right. Texas desert but if he was around people he probably wasn't talking much so he definitely lacks social skills he does but, but when we when we get a glimpse of him from four years ago or you know whenever this time period was when he was you know when we watched the home movies mm. he was this character who wore like these loud shirts who mm. dress in this quirky way and it's fun to see him get back to that because because this is a guy with very few words and- sorry to keep interrupting oh. there's a, yeah, a one part that i think is very it, it goes perfectly in line with what you're saying when he's his brother buys him a bunch of new clothes and they're back at his house he trades in the new pair of boots for a broken for old one. which i think says yeah. a lot about who he is he'd rather have something that's already he doesn't want like a new nice pair of boots he just wants something that's comfortable i think that's great and I, to be honest and I'm, I'm gonna contradict myself i think one of the faults with this movie is the lack of history mm. you know in a weird way i think i think it's great that we don't know because i think if we know we don't feel the same way because i think we're left coming up with our own story but I think because we don't know what's going on, 
it makes me feel a bit uneasy about certain things. For instance, like I said, this is like we're, we're kind of at the part where he watched the home movies and he's he's already feeling much more like himself. He's really trying to connect with with his son. Not so much, not like not so much his brother or sister in law. He's like really trying to connect with his son. And and I think it's when when they watch the home movies, it says something like she's twenty six now. Like she must be twenty six right now, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like such a young age, like mid twenties. But this guy isn't noticeably older, but disgustingly <laughs> older. Well, it's Walt's and, older brother. And right. Walt is already like middle aged. So all I can think of like is like fine. Like you probably met this girl when she was eighteen. <laughs> I don't know what age he would have been, but older. And but before we watched these home movies, I thought, oh, the mother died. Like he ran away, the mother died. Yeah. But no, we found out she's alive. And then I go, what happened four years ago that made him run away? And I'm sorry. Uh, and Dan, seriously, correct me if I'm wrong, but I did. I, I just never got the answer to that. And I'm not sure if it's in the movie. Where I'm oh, like, it's there. <laughs> so to jump to the end, because this is where you find out the backstory about what happened to Travis. Not necessarily oh where my gosh, he's been for four years. <laughs> yeah. So he has this desire to go back to Paris, Texas, which is where he believes that he was conceived. Yeah. But simultaneously, he wants to go to Houston to find Hunter's mom, who he wants to, in a way, make amends, it seems. And Hunter tags along with. There's a big upset because he's basically kidnapped, technically his son, but not really his son, <laughs> yeah. to go on this from L.A. to Houston. <laughs> so very long drive. Yep. Um, and he goes described to the... as a road movie, by the way, which I, which is such a like an old a, a old movie thing to do. I didn't like, realize genre. Yeah, I haven't seen one of those in a while. Yeah. So he goes to Houston to this peep show, uh, strip club joint. And he's looking for a specific dancer, Jane, his wife, his former, I don't know if they're married, Hunter's mom. And it's revealed, and I'm glad it's revealed to the end, because honestly, if I knew any of these details earlier, I would not feel an ounce of empathy towards Travis like I did throughout the majority of the film. Maybe this is why I missed it. Maybe maybe I feel like this is towards the end and I just kind of gave up on hearing it go on so he's talking to jane here. he's talking to jane through a one-way glass which is the way this peep show club is set up and he can talk to her through a telephone but he she can't see him right so he goes and he says can i tell you a story and he describes this relationship between an older guy and a younger girl they get married they have a kid he has a drinking problem she uh, suffers from postpartum depression. Right, right. Things get right. worse. Things get yeah. abusive. He essentially kidnaps her and keeps her prisoner. It sounds like. Yeah. yeah. And she goes crazy. She leaves. Like he basically describes their relationship to the point where she knows she can tell it's Travis. I don't think she necessarily sees him. Although there's one yeah. point where he asks her to turn the light on or turn the lights off so she can see him. But she quickly realizes who is on the other side of this class. And you realize that this guy who the whole movie you thought was kind of just quirky and eccentric and, but pretty non-threatening 
Like you, you grow to like this guy and you're like, Oh, I hope that he reconnects with the sun. Like it's, he's very yeah, endearing yeah, to the sure. audience. He quickly becomes this sinister character Villain. that you, yeah. that you have very little sympathy towards. And I'm, I'm glad they kept it to the end because I would have been like, yeah, fuck this guy. <laughs> so I, I, okay. I did listen to this part. I, I really felt like I was being stupid and I didn't hear what was going on, but maybe the way I heard it felt much more redeeming. And maybe I heard it with a softer ear because I spent two hours with him. You know what I mean? Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't think I heard it the same way it actually was because it was like, Oh, I, I got empathized with this guy. He's been through a tough time that I still don't know about. But even as he explains what this tough time was, I'm still like, Oh, but that guy, he deserves another chance to be with his <laughs> wife and, and kid, which is crazy. It's, it's a crazy thought. That's not okay. This guy has you know verbally and or physically abused you know especially his son by leaving him but for sure his wife also just their relationship just on surface level is like oh that's borderline illegal (laughs) like i don't know if she is of age but there's definitely like it's definitely not a conventional (laughs) a young love relationship not not even a little bit not even a little bit and it's really yeah, yeah, that like that that got me as well. Where I was like, "What, what is happening? What is going on?" And then he gives Hunter to her, where he's like, "He's in a hotel room. If you want it, if you want him." <laughs> no, for sure. By the way, seventeen oh eight. And it's uh, uh, listen. I here's the thing. I think this movie's. I think this movie's a bit sticky, right? Mm-hmm. Wait. Yeah, I think this movie is a bit sticky because I do think it describes the complications between life and film. I, I do like just based on this part alone. I'm like, like people fuck up. People do, and it doesn't mean we have to hate them. We don't have to hate them because they fuck up. We we can like we can forgive them, and I think we as an audience forgive. At least for me, I I forgave him because of the effort that I saw him put in with Hunter to begin with, and the effort that I saw him make to, I guess, reunite the two and, and kind of ex- explain his situation to her now that he is doing a bit better. Mm. I, I like to think that he is actually doing better. But again, because I, I don't really know, and I don't have much to go off of their past, I go, I, I, I default to the idea that he is a good guy and is doing really good. Yeah, because you spent the last hour and a half really coming around on this guy like he's he's the protagonist and he's kind of the good guy like you you want him to reconnect with his son right walt kind of seems actually kind of like an asshole not necessarily like an asshole but you're just he's less sympathetic towards his brother than than i think the audience is yeah so you definitely are rooting for for travis the entire time and I also like Walt. Like Walt, Walt's, Walt does seem like an asshole, yeah. and so does his wife, right? Like his wife is his wife. Like it makes sense now that his wife is super weary. His wife is weary because like this kid calls her mom. Like mm-hmm. that's not a connection that is made easily, nor mm-hmm. something that you want to just break. But also, also, I mean, I imagine she's heard stories and either been there firsthand or heard stories, you know, second, third hand, where. Like he's done terrible things, so that yeah. makes sense. The fact that Walt isn't at all like 
like just expressly worried about Travis Travis showing up signals to us as an audience that like okay like now that now I'm you know looking at it again and we're having this conversation I see it as him like loving his brother right period but, yeah there's even a point where Walt is pretty ready to give Hunter back over to his brother like his wife yeah, yeah. Um, Walt Walt White is definitely not on board with that she's like no this is our son we're not just going to give it back to this guy after four years. Right. Walt, I mean, and he kind of has a point. It's like, well, this is his son. Like, we can't. <laughs> I know we've been we here for the last four it. years. But yeah, her her hesitation definitely makes a lot more sense knowing what we find out about Travis's past. But yeah, it's like it's 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 a sicky situation, and I appreciate that it's so sicky. And I, I appreciate that it reminds me of Breaking Bad, <laughs> where things are, and I, I say that as a joke, but I do mean it quite seriously, where we're kind of like in this like Southwest area where mm-hmm. things are taking, like the, the movie itself is taking its time, and we're, like, we're learning about characters so slowly that all I think of, like, all I think of is if there was a gun, actually, there was one point of danger where I was like, oh my God, this is insane. Uh, and that's when they were looking for Jane at the bank. And Hunter is out of the car, waiting at like the drive-in. What is it like a drive-through banking spot? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and because that's that's Travis how they pinpoint. That's how they pinpoint where Hunter's mom is. Because Walt's wife tells Travis that, despite her being gone just as long as Travis has been gone, every month she wires money for Hunter from a bank in Houston. Right on the same day of every month. Yeah, and then we see we kind of see why and what she has to do. Again, what's her backstory? Why does she need to go and be a, a peep show girl? I think she. Uh-huh. I'm. They don't explicitly say this. Is what I I gathered. I think she just was a young girl who got pregnant by this older guy and wasn't ready and was in over her head. I mean, like, absolutely. Just based on his, his abuse alone, I could see her not wanting to be there. But plus postpartum depression and just being essentially a a child still. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, I just, I don't, this is too much for me. And I, I don't think anyone blames her. And obviously we have strippers today. We have people, I, I don't know if peep shows still go on. I'm sure they do. But like, there's nothing. I, I don't have any kind of judgments towards that kind of thing at all. But mm. I think just like the lack of clarity about what in the world has happened. Like, what, like to give up your son is to give up your son to, I guess, your abuser's brother, who yeah. clearly has some sort of sense of forgiveness, is such a big deal. Like, in one hand, you're like, okay, he'll like my son will be safe with this with his uncle and aunt. On the other hand, you got to think, well, if Travis comes back. If he he may pose some sort of threat, I don't know. I think everyone I assumed I, Travis was dead. Uh, well, that's a good point. Also, I think the fact that she does wire him money, what little she can, because Anne, Walt's wife, she says she wires money every month. Sometimes it's a lot, sometimes it's not a lot. So I think the fact that she's yeah. just giving whatever she can towards her son definitely indicates that she still is like caring she's not trying to exit entirely right but she's also just doing what she can with what she has and and to be fair she's doing a lot more than 
some moms who live with their kids do, let alone some moms who just completely abandon their child. Right. So there's that. And I, I feel like I feel like I got hung up on this, and I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> but but again, I, I think I think another thing that really got to me was like colors, like the colors in this film were just out of control. And I don't know if that was just the product oh, yeah. of you know the '80s or or whatever it was, but I do think the colors were, but they felt very much purposeful by you know production. But <laughs> the backdrop of having Texas as the the setting or as a character really you're already given this very dry deserty very plain backdrop so you get a lot of these like brilliant reds and blues and neons and yeah it it stands out more than it would if they were or if, if it took place in LA or in a, in another right I, I say this is where I think of of Breaking Bad where I'm like or like Better Call Saul where it takes place you know in these same kind of environments where you think mm. sure you're gonna have these like oranges and reds and like sand and, and desert and all this but the people that populate it also kind of like art direct it you know what I mean and we and this is where seeing seeing Travis in like his his fun clothing is really really good because mm-hmm like we get insight into his character but we also get we also get like this flash of like colors just being all around anyways i thought it was i thought it was fun and interesting i mean it definitely feels like a and this is partly because it's such a weird story that's told in a backwards kind of way yeah it definitely feels like a david lynch kind of movie Oh yeah, for we sure. These like kind of dreamy color and these like very strange sequences that you're not entirely sure you should be taking them at face value or not. Also, I did not realize that Sam Shepard co-wrote this, which makes yes. a lot of sense. I I did not mention this before. I apologize. Yes, <laughs> like talk about a screenwriter who gives you characters that you don't necessarily love. <laughs> Listen, I, I... He, he knows how to play with conflicting emotions. <laughs> no, of course he does. Of course he does. Listen, I, I appreciate it. And I like it. And I, and I But I do think I, I do think it's one of those movies, and I think this is the reason why it ended up winning uh, like a lot of prizes at festivals and all that stuff. It's, I think that it's one of those movies where you have this kind of conversation with afterwards, and it leads into another layer filled conversation Mm. about what you just saw. Yeah. Oh, really quick. Another, we were talking earlier off air about how a lot of these movies seem like they're tied together. These movies that we've been watching. Yeah. Like for instance, Harry Dean Stanton was also one of the crew members in alien. Yes. LM Kit Carson, the, the, the co-writer of the screenplay also wrote the American Breathless, the the remake, Whoa, really? the, the Godard film. Yeah, bro, it's all tied together, Trey. Wait, is this the movie? I think this is the movie that I was reading about. Where one of the fun facts was everyone in the main cast has worked with David Lynch. <laughs> I think that's oh, also why that it true? seems like that. That I don't know if that, that's. I'm. I'd be surprised if that that wasn't the case because 
that also makes a lot of sense why it feels like a David Lynch movie. Because I'm pretty sure Natasha Kinski is in... What is she in? She's in something. (laughs) Yep. The the movie's three main characters have all worked with uh, director David Lynch. Harry Dean Stanton has been in Wild at Heart and Twin Peaks and A Fuck Fire With Me, The Street Story, etc. Dean Stockwell was in Blue Velvet and Natasha Kinski was in Inland Empire with my man Harry Dean Morton. Harry Dean Morton, Harry Dean Stanton. And oh. go on. And they were in Harry Dean Stanton and Natasha Kinski were in One from the Heart together, the Francis Ford well, Coppola movies. Wow. Yeah. Great career. Yep, yep. Great career. I mean, honestly, honestly. And I, and I wonder. I feel like I could be completely wrong, but I I, I don't, I I think, no, I'm not wrong. I don't care whether you're an established actor or filmmaker or not. I think when you have a film like this that has been seen and, and has so much critical acclaim, Mm. it can go one, it can go one of two ways, right? Like it can, it's kind of like winning the Oscar where it's like, you win an Oscar, fine, but we just don't hear from you for the next 15 years. Yeah. Or you win an Oscar and it just kind of propels you into just more and more projects. And I feel like this is one of those movies that got all of this acclaim. And then like, obviously like people just went into to more and more projects. I think also the fact that, like we said at the beginning, we both knew of this movie, but knew nothing about the movie itself. Well, both like, and- this movie exists. I know that much. Right. <laughs> I know this is a, I know this is a movie that exists. I, and we'll get to it. I guess I mean, we kind of have movies planned out, but I think, I think, sorry, we both have movies planned out, but I, I think next year, I think next year we should like, I, I want to get some movies from the West because I know, I know it's a genre that I am not like, I, and that I'm not accustomed to. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of, and I, the reason I say Western movies because I I always thought of Paris, Texas as one of those Western movies. I'm a city kid, so like looking at dirt and desert and all that just doesn't appeal to me. But I do. Th- but you know, like I said, I love things like Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul for mm. obvious reasons. But I can't tell you a whole lot of Western films that I'm that I've enjoyed, and that kind of gives me the same yuck feeling that I had of Paris, Texas. The one that keeps coming to mind that I know I love that seems like it's in a similar vein only because of the setting is Raising Arizona. You know, I, honestly, yeah, that's another movie I thought about when I, when I see the, this poster, for example. Because at the same time-ish, similar place, 80s, 80s Southwest, there's something about it. <laughs> about it. Yet we don't have any Nick Cage yet. Yeah. Uh, depending on, dep- <laughs> yeah, depending on when this comes out. Anyways, Dan, I'll let you go first, actually. Despite all the good things we said about this movie, no, I'm just kidding. This absolutely required watching. I love this movie. (laughs) I think this was a very interesting way to play with how the audience views the main character. Sure. Because like I said, you, by the end, you kind of really don't like Travis, which is crazy because the entire movie, he's the best person on screen. And yeah. I think it's, it's, it's 
it's complicated. It, it, it really delves into complex emotions and forgiveness and how families interact with each other, whether blood or not. And yeah, it's just a very interesting way to explore those relationships. I think that's 100% required. I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback on all the things that you're saying. I absolutely think it's a required watch. And if I'm being completely honest, if someone were to go, like, what do you think of what do you think of this movie? And like, would you recommend it? I don't know. I, I feel like I wouldn't even know how to explain to them properly that I recommend this movie. Um, yeah, it's not a, with, necessarily a fun watch. <laughs> no, it's no, but that's true. It's not it's not a fun like, you, you don't go, well, that was a wild ride. Yeah. But, but it's a movie that kind of messes with, I guess, with you emotionally and makes you think about what exactly was going on because it's a it's a slow movie and I think it's like two hours or you know whatever the time period is it's a slow burn, but it is a film that you go. I really, for me anyway, I was I really appreciate the character development, the story development, you know, the colors, just the way they're like subverting, I guess, my expectations on what I think on how I think a story kind of should be told. Mm-hmm. And, and again, for me, for me as a, as a filmmaker, anyway, I think, I think, Oh, I, I would definitely try to do something like this. Like this is a movie I'd want to steal from, and, yeah. you know, in the way that artists steal things. You know what I mean? It's also surprisingly simple. It's I mean, honest. Honestly, don't write, don't write your main character speaking for 26 minutes. Like, yeah. <laughs> but, but for, 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 the strong emotions that you feel towards the main characters. There's I think that's really the hard bit. Not much to instigate those strong emotions. Yeah. Or the 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 elements that you're given. The 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 what's what am I trying to say? The the sum is greater than the parts. The emotion that you're feeling towards the characters is much stronger than the details that you're given, right. which goes to show how complex these relationships are. And how complex dealing with people are, you know, like people that you genuinely care for, despite their pasts. Dude, you're saying I have nothing to add from this beautiful (laughs) statement, other than, dude, listen, you, you guys, you guys, thanks for listening uh, to another week of us talk about movies. If you have any kind of movie suggestions, want to be on the show, or anything else, any kind of questions, comments, or concerns or whatever uh hit us up on at required watch on instagram and twitter and check us out on the website at requiredwatching.com and listen i I don't think this has ever been announced on the show but if you're a filmmaker and you have a short film and you think you think it's good stuff be sure to submit it over i hope you don't think it's bad if you made it but if you think it's good stuff head over to required watch and submit it because we have a new thing going on where we are spotlighting emerging and established filmmakers no matter where what kind of discipline you come from and we'll be talking to some of those filmmakers really really soon and displaying some of their short films on our website so if you want to be a part of that check out all the details on the website but if you want to talk to me personally for whatever reason uh, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Tree Apps. And if you want to slide into my DMs at Danny Taverner <laughs> on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Dan, as always, it's been fun. Thanks. It's been real. Uh, laters. Bye.